you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So if you've uh, been around here for any um, stretch of time, you know that I uh, tell a lot of stories about my um, family growing up a little bit and about my childhood sometimes. And I'm always afraid to do this when they're here because then you can ask them and, <laughs> and it doesn't always go well. And sometimes I'll share something and, and my, my parents, they'll listen to it online and they'll be like, you know, that didn't really happen that way, right? <laughs> And they'll, they'll correct me. And so I'm a little afraid uh, because they're all right here. Um, and then when I draw attention to it, it's even more likely that you guys will ask them. And then, so I'm already going to fail. But I remember um, when I was a, a kid growing up, a couple of times we, we got to go to, to Disney World. And I remember the first time we went, um, when we found out we were going to go, I was so excited. I just, I thought about it all the time, you know, and I was that kind of kid. You know, I was counting down every day every hour, every moment until we got to, to Disney World and we got on the plane. I was excited about everything and just thinking this week is going to be the best week of my life. And, and we got there and it was so much fun. And the whole time I was there, um, if you've ever been to a, a theme park, especially back in the old days before the fast passes, basically all you really do is just wait in lines outside all day long. <laughs> And so once we got to Disney World, we just spent all this time waiting in line. And I remember waiting in line for these roller coasters and thinking, like, it's going to be so awesome and just excited and just wishing the time would go by a little bit faster. And finally, you know, we get on the roller coaster and it's done in, like, you know, two minutes or whatever. And we're back in line waiting again. And I remember thinking, even as a little kid, um, man, it's like all of this thinking and all this energy and all this waiting for like two minutes and then it's over and you're like, oh, wasn't that great? And what a weird thing that we do going to these uh, amusement parks. And the more time we spent as days went by, I found myself counting the days down again, uh, thinking, oh no, you know, we're only going to be in the park for three more days. Oh, only two more days. We're going to have to go home soon started finding myself kind of uh, consumed a little bit, worrying then about it, it going away and how, <coughs> excuse me, how even though um, it was just the best thing ever, it, it was never quite enough for me. And, and I found out in my life that it doesn't seem to matter, uh, even as I've grown up, it doesn't seem to matter what I have or what I've been given. I'm always either thinking about when it's going to run out <laughs> Or what it would take to really feel like I had enough. And, and at Bethel this month, we've been talking about what does it look like? How do we try and find uh, that contentment? Find enough in our lives to where we can feel like, because um, if you're like me, you might think, you know, if I just had uh, one more thing in my life figured out, then I would not have to worry anymore. And so we're talking about what does it, what does it mean to, to hit that? Because no matter how much we have, and as we've been exploring this together, I've found in my own life, no matter how much I have, it's hard to feel like I, I have enough. And, and no matter what it is that I have, I, I always want more. Uh, you know, you're never making quite money. <laughs> I never have quite enough time. I never have quite enough energy uh, for the things that, that I need to do. And, and I think it's this very human thing that we are so focused on the things that we don't have that we 
forget all the, all the things that we do have. And it leads us, um, even in the best times, right? Even when, uh, you know, our financial situation is good and our bills are paid off or when we have lots of extra time, it leads us to see scarcity even then. Uh, it leads us to, um, it, it prevents us from generosity. I, I, I find in myself um, that when I'm focused on what I don't have, I'm much more likely to think that other people don't need or deserve my time. I find it much more likely that I think other people won't use um, the gift I'm giving them well. Uh, the more focused on my own scarcity I am, the more I feel like uh, other people don't deserve to have enough either. Uh, I start to think these things are, are mine, and if I give some of my time, if I give some of my money, if I give some of my attention to somebody, uh, I start to wonder who will take care of me? Who will make sure that my stuff gets done? And, and as we've been exploring this together, um, we've been looking in the book of Genesis, um, which is full of stories about human beings that, that do this exact same thing. Um, people who God seems to give a whole to, but it's never quite enough for them. And, and so just um, really briefly, um, there's this repeated pattern. And we, we started off with the story of, of Adam and Eve in the garden, that God gave them this beautiful garden to live in. Uh, he charged them actually to, to rule over all of creation, and it wasn't enough for them. And so they grabbed at the one thing that God said they couldn't have and, and ruined everything. And, and then we talked about how um, these two brothers, um, because God gave a gift to one of the two brothers, the other brother got so consumed by his jealousy and his anger and his envy that God would bless somebody else and not him in the same way that that, that grows and it takes root and it becomes murder. Uh, he, the, first, the first murder in the book of Genesis. And then finally, we talk about a group of people who God has charged again to fill the earth and rule over it, who instead decide to um, stick together and try and protect themselves instead of fulfilling this, this generous call that God has given them. And, and the reason, one of the reasons these stories are, are in Scripture, one of the reasons we tell these stories is because they remind us that God is not surprised when enough isn't enough for me. Um, it, it's a reminder that when it seems like no matter how much I have, uh, it's, it's never enough and I'll do something that will ruin everything. It reminds us that God knows this is true. Uh, and in fact, the, the whole story of the Old Testament uh, can be understood in this way, uh, that uh, every, every story uh, involves God giving abundantly to somebody. And almost every story in the Old Testament involves a human being that no matter how much they've been given, they're still afraid they don't have enough. And so, um, and I find great comfort in that because uh, even though I have so much and oftentimes I still feel like I don't have enough, this reminds us that uh, we're not the first people that have gone through that. Um, and so if you ever sit down and read through the Old Testament, you'll find it just repeats over and over and over again. Somebody has everything. God has chosen somebody uh, and just blessed them abundantly. And then a page later or five verses later, it's clear that they don't trust God to take care of them in the future. It's clear that they don't think they have enough. And so they uh, only see the scarcity and it, and it leads uh, to trouble. Um, and as you're reading through the Old Testament, if you ever sit down and read through it, this pattern just repeats with different people and in different places and in slightly different situations. God gives 
and people, uh, it's not enough, so people reject that gift. God gives and, and people reject. God gives and people reject. And through the whole Old Testament, under the, under the surface is this hope, this promise that maybe someday God will give and it will be enough for people. Maybe someday uh, human beings uh, like us will be able to see um, the abundance that's at the heart of God's creation instead of the, the scarcity and the lack that we're so focused on. Uh, but as you go through the Old Testament, this promise, it sits there at the bottom that one day maybe, um, maybe human beings will be able to accept it. But repeatedly, over and over again, God gives and people miss the point. And by the end of the Old Testament, um, there are a few bright lights, but there are a lot more Adam and Eve's grabbing the fruit and Cain uh, murdering Abel's. Even, even the heroes in the Old Testament, they often fall into that same trap over and over again. And, and honestly, it, it can be a little bit depressing <laughs> because there's hope uh, and, and the promise is in there that maybe someday this won't be the case. But everybody, no matter how much God has given them, uh, they, they reject that. And this whole story, it just keeps going because for some reason, according to Scripture, God, uh, his main way of dealing with this problem is by giving people more, is by blessing people more abundantly. Uh, but, but the story ends. The Old Testament ends without uh, that ever happening, without that person ever coming through. And until you get uh, to the New Testament, and, and one example, um, in the New Testament, God continues this pattern of giving. Uh, and we believe, right, so uh, you've probably heard this verse before, John 3, 16 and 17 is just a little uh, summary of what God is trying to do in the New Testament. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And, and this is a little, a little summary give you an idea of what God is trying to do in the New Testament. And what it's saying is this. We have a God that wants to uh, heal this world by giving abundantly. And even though every time God gave and gave and gave, and even in our own lives, God has given us so much and we're so prone uh, to see what we don't have, even though that's true, um, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. Instead, he gave his son the biggest gift possible uh, God gives himself in the person of Jesus. And this is the story of, of the New Testament. Because if you read the Gospels, you notice that for the first time, uh, as, as Jesus walks the earth, somebody lives as if God's view of the world, that the world is full of abundance and life and potential, uh, that the world is a gift. You, first time in the story, somebody lives as if the world really is made by a God who loves us. Uh, and Jesus walks around, and everywhere he goes, he, he gives what he has. He, he pours out blessing uh, everywhere he goes. People are healed. Uh, people are forgiven. Um, people are fed. They're literally fed food. There are all these stories in the Gospels of Jesus feeding people um, this miraculous amount of food uh, through, through a miracle. They're set free. Uh, and finally, as Jesus walks the earth, this person that believes that God really did make the really does love us and really does provide enough for us, uh, as Jesus walks the world, he invites people to join his family. And that's the language that's used. We talked about this a little last week. Uh, Jesus invites us to be called children of God, uh, just like him. Uh, he invites people to trust that God is a perfect father. 
that the world really is full of his blessing and to trust that God actually can take care of us. And and this is the call that uh, Christ repeats over and over again in the Gospels. He says, um, God is your father, so live like it. God is your father. You can trust him to hold on to you. Live like it. Um, and I think it's, it's captured um, perfectly in, in Matthew 5, the, the verse that I shared at the beginning, Matthew 5, 38 through 47. And it's one of the most difficult to live and hardest things to believe um, in, in Scripture, I think. But Jesus is giving us a picture of what it looks like to live uh, like God really loves you and like God really loves the world. He says, this is what it, it looks like. This is one example. He said, you've heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And he goes further. He says, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, So Jesus throws all this stuff on anybody who will listen. This hard to do and hard to believe stuff. He says, uh, You've got enemies, people that want something out of you. He says, uh, love your enemies. Pray for those who want to do harm to you. And maybe to us this seems familiar because we've, we've heard this story before, but, but this is, is crazy. He says, he says, turn the other cheek if somebody's going to fight you. He says, if somebody wants to drag you along, uh, one mile go, two. If somebody asks you for something, give it to them. Uh, In fact, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus then tells all these stories about um, what it looks like to live like God's really in charge. He says, um, living like God is really in charge is like taking the things that you have and investing them instead of burying them in the ground so you can rely on them later. He says, uh, use the things you have to make friends because someday it's going to be gone. He says, put your talents to work in the lives of others. Offer grace to those who sin against you again and again and again and again. And, and his reason why is, is captured here in, in verse 45. Why would we live like this? Well, Jesus says, um, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, so that you might be like your Father, because he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you know your Old Testament, if you know your scripture, as we talked about, you know that it's a story of God pouring out gift after gift after gift on a people who don't deserve what he's offering them, on a people who turn their backs on him immediately, on the people who uh, take his gifts and grab it and use it to uh, promote themselves. But for some reason, God sends rain and sun on the good And the evil, Jesus says, and if God is your father, do what your father does. Just like God sends rain on the good and the evil, just like God is constantly giving to people that uh, reject him. He says, if you accept me, if you become a child of God, I want you to do 
the same. Uh, the idea is this, that God spends all of human history pouring out blessing on undeserving people leading up to Jesus. And then he invites us to join in that family business. Uh, Jesus says uh, what it means to be a child of God is to be somebody that gives to people because God is a God who gives. Come join the family business. Now, if you're anything like me, when you read what Jesus has to say about our enemies, when you read what Jesus has to say about giving to somebody in need, when you read what Jesus has to say about turning the other cheek, there's this big human part of you. There's this, this voice, this um, part of you that is, is crouching at the door and it's saying, don't be a fool. If you turn the other cheek, they'll take advantage of you. If you give to the one who needs from you, you'll never have enough. And that same thing that spoke to Eve that told her she didn't have enough, and that same thing that ruled over Cain and told him that he didn't have enough, that same thing sits on our shoulder and it says that can't be possible. God can't be trusted to provide for you if you live like Christ did. He can't give you enough to make it. I have to take care of myself. And if I can just get enough, then I'll, I'll be there. And, and that snake, that voice, that, that thing, that reasonable thing in your head, it, it makes a good point, right? What will happen if I really do pray for my enemies? What will happen if I really do offer grace to that person that does not deserve my grace? And, and the snake makes a good point because uh, Jesus, he lived this way. Uh, he lived his life turning the other cheek and giving to those who asked of him. And if you know the story, you know it didn't lead to a big bank account. It didn't lead uh, to, as, as one of my good friends says, it didn't lead to Lamborghinis on the moon for Jesus. And actually, if you know the story, it turns out exactly how you think it would if you lived your life giving to everyone who asks for you. It turns out exactly how you think it might when you turn the other cheek and love your enemies and give up your security and your protection and your power to somebody else. It turns out exactly how you think. The people that Jesus walked with, they captured him, they led him uh, to the cross, and they killed him. Uh, the people with power and privilege and security and protection and swords, uh, they, they killed Jesus and he died on the cross. Uh, but we believe that even though it led there, three days later, uh, Christ came back from the dead. And that because he came back from the dead, it proves that God really is uh, the God that made the world. That God really does love the people of the world. And that if you do live this way, following after him as your child, he can take care of you. When Christ rises from the dead, it proves the abundance that sits at the foundation of creation. And he invites human beings to be set free from that voice that says, I have to scrape and scratch and save and fight and put up my walls to make sure I have enough. Because of his life and his death, but because of his resurrection, we can be set free from sin and evil and death and that snake, that voice. We can really live like God's children. We can really join the family business and trust that God can hold on to us. 
And if you know the story of, of what happened after Christ rose and ascended into heaven, uh, his disciples, they, they lived that way. They cared for people that nobody cared about. They prayed for their enemies. They gave to those who asked of them. They were the first people to care for orphans abandoned in the community. They were people that cared for widows, and, and they created a community of people that didn't matter. And because of their work and because of what Christ did, our world looks at weak and hurting people differently than it did in his day. It changed the world. According to Jesus, the best way to find enough in our lives is to join in God's business and to give in the same way that God does. And, and so this is my challenge to me as somebody who so often feels like I don't have enough. And it's my challenge to you. And, and we've been talking about this as, as leaders a little bit too, is uh, spend some time um, asking God where he is calling you to give into the lives of others. Um, our, our leaders, as we met, we talked about uh, just a, a phrase is one in, one out. And the idea for that is, is maybe there's one way that God is calling us to serve somebody at church, and maybe there's one way that God is calling us to serve somebody in our community. And so my challenge to you and, and to me is to sit down with the people that make decisions in your family, if it's just you or your spouse or your family, and, and pray together and ask God, what is it that you're calling me to give? Listen to him and trust that he can hold on to you in that. And, and this is, these, are just, these are just ideas. You know, one, one way to, to, give out, to give inside the church is to, to write a card for somebody that needs it. You know, give some of your time to doing that. Pray for somebody and, and tell them. Uh, we never want to do the tell them part because it feels um, like we're drawing attention to ourselves. But you could just leave a little note that says, hey, I've been praying for you this month. One in. Give, uh, give financially at church. Serve at church. Share your story. Uh, if you know one of the people that's in our prayer list, that's in a care center or that can't make it to church, and, and you've known them for a long time, but it's just so weird to go into one of those places. Like, uh, talk to me. Think about visiting somebody who can't come to church, who's in our care center. Join our, our care team. Um, those are all different ways that you can serve here inside the church. But the, the other thing that we're, we're called to do is to, to share God's love outside of the church. Um, one person um, talked about something that their family does that I read about. Um, they have a, a blessing checking account. And so what they do every month is they put like, like whatever they can, like $10 or $20 or whatever in a little special account. And they just let it uh, accumulate money in there. And then when somebody they care about has a need, they bless them in an unexpected way. Um, and they describe that they find themselves looking for people that need help. Instead of thinking, oh, I wish I could do something. It's, it's right there. That's one way to give out. Another way is to open your home, open your table. Uh, invite somebody who um, might want to come to dinner at your house. It doesn't have to be anything special, but because God has given us all something. He's given us all some blessing to share, some gift to share, and we're invited to trust him in doing that. For you, it might be giving somebody a ride or uh, buying somebody lunch. It might be sitting down and listening to somebody who's going through something. But whatever it is, I invite you to sit down and pray with your family, talk with your family, and ask God, what is it that you want me to give to somebody else this year? And when you do, when you start uh, trusting him, 
with a little bit more, when you start allowing him to hold on to your life and giving the things that he's calling you to give, you will find enough. Because you'll see that when you give to God, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead will hold on to you. That you don't have to scrape and scratch and save to protect yourself and make your own life. That maybe, just maybe, we can trust the God who made us to watch out for us. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you have given us everything. We live in a world that you made Our lives are full of blessings that you give to us. And it's so easy for us to look at the things we have or the time that we have or the people in our lives and think, if only I had a little bit more. But that's not what you want for us. You want us to live as your children, tapped into and appreciating the abundance that you pour out. Help us to see the ways that you've blessed us. And help us to see the ways that you're calling us to share that blessing with others. We thank you, God, for what you've done for us. We thank you for the breath in our lungs and the generosity that sustains your creation. Help us to join in that stream of giving and find ourselves blessed to be abundant givers just like you. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.